Marvelicious Toys is brought to you in part by Big Bad Toy Store, where you can pre-order the newest waves of Hasbro Marvel Universe, Marvel Legends, and Marvel Movie Action Figures. With foreign toys, high-end statues, prop replicas, hot toys, and more, Big Bad Toy Store is the first stop for Marvel collectors. Plus, check out their other great toys and collectibles and use their pile of loot to save on shipping. Find it all at BigBadToyStore.com. Welcome to Marvelicious Toys. Hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more. Because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious. Hello and welcome to issue number 94 of Marvelicious Toys. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie. And this is Justin. And this is going to be a great issue of Marvelicious Toys. We're going to skip the Spectacular Store Report. We're going to be back with our normal format next week, reviewing some of the latest Marvel Universe figures and Avengers Assemble and so much more. But this week, we got a chance to talk to David Vonner, the man who began my Marvel collecting obsession. He's solely the one to blame. Completely. It is all at his feet. <laughs> he has so much to say about Marvel back when he was doing it. So much insight into those variant figures that never really saw the light of day. And a discussion about how things are now. So without any further ado, let's be joined by David Vonner. So joining us now is David Vonner. Hello again, sir. Welcome back to the show. Hello. How are you guys? I miss you guys. We miss you. You have no idea how much we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I especially missed you at Toy Fair. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I got like um, a few calls and texts like during Comic-Con and everything and, and was told that it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. It, Toy Fair was especially rough. Uh, just it was a period of transition for the team and yeah. so it was underrepresented but as people may know if they've listened to our show for a while or follow you on facebook you were in charge of the hasbro marvel license for the boys toys dealing with the more collector oriented lines the marvel universe primarily and working also on the legends and then hasbro as as i think they've why don't you put it in your words i know what the hasbro public relations statement said but why don't you say what happened there well you know, there, there was, there were layoffs and I was a casualty of the layoff. And, you know, layoffs are in, in, in this business is part of the business. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, we're, since you're dealing with retail, we're heavily focused and, and reliant on the economy doing well. You know, if, if, if people have money, then they, they buy things. And if they don't, don't have that money to spread around, then, you know, Pockets get tight, which means less money gets spread around, which means that certain things don't, don't, you know, really don't get bought. So, you know, I mean, there, there was no hard feelings on, on my end because I understand that aspect of the business, you know, and, um, actually it's like a yearly thing, an annual thing. There's always layoffs at Hasbro. And, um, you know, there was a transition going on. So it happened, but, you know, some people can, it depends on who you are, you know, and, and also, 
you know, my thing is that I can't or I won't allow for the job to define me, you know, and some people get caught up in the title. They think that that's who they are and that's not really who you are. So it gave me the opportunity to work on a lot of other things and, and, uh, to branch out and, and, um, you know, work on some projects that I really want to get out there. And, and so that's what I've been doing, but you know, it's, it's weird. And, and I'm always, I'll always be a Marvel fan first. So is now looking at it on, on this side of the fence, you know, it's, it's frustrating with some things and there's some things that I hope for. Um, but my mind is saying that it's not going to happen, but I hope that it does. And you've been with Marvel toys a lot longer because, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you also working on Marvel back during the toy biz days? Yep. Yep. I was at toy biz, um, for about five years, five and a half years. And, and then I left there on my own. And I guess with me, it, you know, I, I mean, I don't like to jump around from company to company to company, but I have to have a new challenge. You know, I just can't stay doing the same thing for a certain amount of time, especially when, you know, when you, when you reach a goal and you meet new challenges and you have to keep going. And sometimes you just have to, you have to break yourself away in order to go to the next level, do what you want to do, you know, and, and, um, especially in this, in this business, because there's a lot of different, you know, people involved and voices involved. And I mean, there's, there's tons of things that I wanted to have in Marvel universe, for instance, but never could because of, for one reason or another, whether it made sense or not. So now with the opportunity to have something on my own, I don't really have to deal with that, you know, and, and it, that's really, really liberating. But yeah, I've worked on Marvel for, for a long time. You, you brought up, you know, a lot of different people and a lot of different eyes on projects and stuff like that. And I'm sure some of the stuff that we're seeing even today might still have some of your fingerprints on it. Can you speak about some of the things that we're seeing now that, you know, are part of part of your legacy? Well, a lot of uh, the Marvel Universe that's out now with the Cloak and Dagger, the Rhino, Abomination, like all that new stuff, I, you know, I developed, you know, while I was there. And some Iron Man stuff, the Iron Man 3 stuff. And um, so... It's funny because sometimes I kind of, um, there's so many, like the way, the way that things work in development, as opposed to when it actually comes out in retail, there's such a huge, um, lag time. And, and, um, sometimes you can almost forget exactly what it is that you've worked on, you know? So, but there's been a lot of things now. I, I think that with the trans transition going on, like I looked at Comic-Con and I seen, you know, I had pitched the, the Hyperion and, and, um, Grim Reaper, but those aren't mine. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of things that, that were either that will come out or maybe won't come out. Or, you know, now since I really don't know what's going on, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly where it's going to go, where it's going to end up. Like I said, my, my heart is saying one thing, but my, but my mind is saying another. So, you know, now you just have to sit back and wait and see, you know, I know that, that the line is transitioning over to Avengers and, and that is for retail purposes, for retail to be more, I guess, to take it in and selling is, is a lot more easier or, or, or I don't know, I guess able to get into the, to the fan at heart, to the consumer's hands, um, as opposed to branding it Marvel Universe. I mean, I kind of disagree, but, uh, Avengers is a real hot brand right now. So if it's hot, then why not ride it out? You know? So 
Is that is that a conversation that was had while you were were there about the uh, Marvel Universe not being the right branding or? Yeah, I mean, in Marvel Universe, it, there was a lot of fighting for it to stay alive, and even though it, it it did well in in the um you know as far as the collectors you know in the in the overall scheme you know I mean Hasbro has tons of brands like tons of mega brands. And, you know, as you know, some of those big companies aren't really collector focused. So you really have to fight for those items, you know, fight for those SKUs. And, and I was fighting tooth and nail for a lot of stuff. And, you know, when I look back, some of it is like, I'm kind of surprised that I, that I got in. But when you no longer have that, you know, the champion or when, when the, the wave is just so, so huge, Wanting the change, then there's absolutely nothing you can do. You just got to ride it out and see what happens. So, I mean, but again, I, I mean, I'm not inside. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, and, and I guess they have a course of, of where they want to take it. And, you know, it, it's funny too, because my, the whole, the whole reason why, you know, I chose the name Marvel Universe was because it's very inclusive to everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can have your Avengers, you can have your Defenders, you can have your Contest of Champions, you can have whatever you want, heroes and villains. And and um so to kind of narrow it down to one particular aspect of Marvel, you know, because Marvel is multifaceted. So to me, kind of having one corner, even though it's a very huge corner, I mean, Avengers is big, you know, and, and, and there's nothing taken away from that. But the whole idea of Marvel universe was because it is, it's really, you can bring in everyone and it makes sense. You know, you can have, that's why the, you know, the character selections were so eclectic, but in a sense, like with the fury files and, and later on the hammer files, like that was the string that tied everything together. And because, you know, these it all stems back to the comic book. So it just makes sense to have a story element wrapped around the, the toy line. And, and as I was saying, like, that's one reason why, why there's so many characters and why it's so eclectic because it's, it's the Marvel universe. You can just bring in everyone. So to me, kind of just having it be, you know, X-Men or Avengers kind of limits exactly what it is you can do and, and, and kind of, um, opens the door for even more overlap. And can I just say, having listened to that answer, I think that's why when you were running the line, it's what when I started being a Marvel collector and you being such a fan of all of these properties and thinking of it like that is something that made it really special. Yeah, I mean, because that's what I wanted as as a collector and as a fan and, and, and just having my comics, you know, I mean, I think everyone everyone has their comics separated or segregated amongst, you know, your team, your individual, whatever. But the overall thing that ties everything together is Marvel, you know? And, and to me, I mean, and this is me thinking the Marvel brand is as big or bigger than Avengers, you know, because it's Marvel's Avengers. And, and, and even outside of that, you have the X-Men who are tied in with Marvel or the cartoons that are tied in with Marvel. Everything is really Marvel. So, I mean, just, just me just thinking about it is just, is Marvel is the, is, is the umbrella, you know, if that makes any sense, Marvel is the umbrella. So why not broaden that, you know, and, but Hey, what do I, I think, know? 
Yeah, I think that's the way a lot of a lot of collectors and fans are feeling too, you know. And I mean, I suppose time will tell how they go forward with with just the Avengers tent. But I mean, as you point out, you're not going to get a uh, Howard the Duck under an Avengers tent, where right. in, under Marvel you could. So. Right, and, and it's funny. It's funny you bring Howard the Duck because I had one like completely sculpted and. And, you know, guys always ask me, like, what's going to come out, what's not. And I try not to tell anyone because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dash anyone's hopes. But at the same time, I don't want to get anyone's hopes too high, you know. But um, Howard the Duck was supposed to be with Fing Fang Foom. And, and, uh, That's two daggers in one shot right there. <laughs> Both in my heart because I have been hounding people for that Fing Fang Foom and I dared not even pray for a Howard. Right, <laughs> right. So Howard was going to come with his bat and on the, it was going to be a giant. The plan was to have a, have it in a giant blister card and, and have Howard the duck be like the central arc. And then kind of like in the background, you see Fing Fang Foom. So it's basically Howard the Duck featuring Fing Fang Foom. <laughs> that would have been uh, so awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's cool things like that that you can, you, you can bring in because, you know, I know I, I wanted to do a Dr. Bong, you know what I mean? And, and, um, the only way that can be done and the only way that can make sense is if, if, if it's under the Marvel banner and like death's, like death's head, you know, and, and that's, that's a big fan favorite, a big Transformers fan favorite. And there were, there was guys on the Transformers team that was excited about that. I mean, they were really like, I can't wait for this to happen. This is like a dream come true. So it kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's still going to happen. You know, my mind is saying one thing, my heart is saying another, but it just kind of stings, man, because, you know, at the panel, at the panel, Jesse said something that made a lot of sense. And, and it was, you know, collectors don't like change and we really don't. And especially change when we feel as though something is good. You know, it's kind of like, John Byrne no longer doing X-Men or Todd McFarlane no longer doing Spider-Man. And it's like, damn, like you feel like just when it was hot, like just when it was just right there, then boom, it's over. And you're kind of sitting there thinking, okay, this is going to be temporary. You know, and then two, three issues later, this is still going to be temporary. And then the next thing you know, it's like, hey, what is going to happen with the things that I'm familiar with? You know, and but eventually it all comes back around and you want to get excited again. But it's just that that first initial um, takeaway is like so devastating, you know, and, and you just it's hard to deal with because because now you finally wrapped your whole thing around how you're going to spend your dollars or what to expect or all that other stuff. And then all of a sudden there's a change going on and, and you have to adjust accordingly. So, well, I do think that the change here with Marvel Universe has been in the wings for a while. I mean, we've talked on the show about how we felt last year Marvel Universe kind of got shafted because of the Avengers figures that came out and how Marvel Universe didn't ship for quite some time and we were right. so excited when the new waves finally hit. And then this year, the same kind of thing happened where MU took a back seat as Iron Man assemblers were shipping and mm-hmm. so... We could see the way the wind was blowing, at least. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a really good team of, and not just design, but marketing and engineer and, you know, the packaging guys, a really good team that were passionate. I mean, we were passionate about Marvel Universe because to a degree, we were doing things that 
you know, weren't done or haven't been done in a long, long time or, or just were done very differently. And, um, you know, and we all fought so hard all the time for every aspect of whatever it was. So when you start to win those battles, you just feel even more and more just victorious. And you just kind of, you know, I, I feel like uh, Johnny from Entourage, <laughs> but, but you just feel like you could just conquer, you know what I mean? And you just kind of keep fighting and fighting. And, and I mean, and we never let the, um, cause the line was successful and, but we never let that cloud our judgment. We always kept clawing and always kept fighting. So I, I guess where I'm going is, is that when you have a line like that, you really do need to have, you know, a champion or champions for it. Because if you don't, it's not going to stay around. I mean, there's been plenty of lines that were cool and, you know, uh, didn't stick around because there just was, you know, was the one there to champion it. And, and I guess like with me, I forced the issue a lot. Like I really forced it in, in a way. Like, um, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day about, when we first actually introduced the line at Comic-Con and, and, uh, I had the Wolverine, the X-Force Wolverine in my pocket, I actually left Rhode Island on the plane. I had that figure in my pocket, like the entire time, you know, and, and I mean, I had it next to me and no one knew that I had it. No one even knew that it was even in the building that that sample was in. So when I had, um, showed it, you know, when I decided to show, we were like at the panel. It was going on. I showed it to the, the marketing guy, Jerry, um, that was sitting next to me. And I was like, I kind of motioned down. He was like, Oh, show it, show it, show. Cause we used to do this thing. Like we would do this motion. Like our brain was popping and gray matter was coming out of our ears and stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just kind of showed it and, and guys went crazy. So after that, um, every time at the end of the panel, I would show something new and show something new because it's fun. It's an event. And you just can't kind of treat it like a PowerPoint presentation where you're showing it to a, you know, a, a bunch of chairmen. I mean, you really have to have fun and, and engage with, with, with the fans, especially in the venue like Comic Con, because they will, the fans will let you know real fast if it's cool or not. And if you have to say it's, if you have to ask anyone if anything is cool, then it's not cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, some of the panels that I was, that, that, I was watching was just, it was like a funeral, man, you know, and, 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 um, it hurt and, and not just, I'm not talking about just the Hasbro one, but just other panels. It, 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 I don't know. It just seemed like there was such a shift where it just, I mean, I wasn't there, but it just seemed like it wasn't really on this year. I mean, I, I don't know, but it just didn't seem on. Well, given your extensive toy history, one of the things that I noticed came on the news just this week was a report that both Hasbro and Mattel's earnings were significantly lower this past year because of mobile phones. It was this big news article about how digital cameras, everything's getting hurt, even game systems, because it's all the kids are into their mobile phones and it's an all-in-one device. Right. Was that something you were kind of facing? And do you think that's maybe part of the reason for the shift is trying to adapt to new child play patterns? Yeah. I mean, we definitely had those conversations. And, and uh, I mean, the, the, toy, the toy industry has been in trouble for a while, you know, with you know, at, at the time, CDs and, and DVDs and the computers and everything. And now iPods. And, but now, I mean, with the mobile phones, it's no one has to, my son feels 
it, like I was telling him how I would go to an arcade and would have to see what my quarters to go. And to him, that seems so foreign. He's like, so you would save up money to go to an arcade to, <laughs> and, and that's how you play the games. Like you actually save your money to play the game. And I'm like, yeah. And, and actually he was playing Pac-Man like on, 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 um, on my phone, actually, and we had a plug and play that we put into the, into our van. So we were, we were traveling and he's like, he just couldn't get it. He could not get the concept of saving your money to play a video game where right now there's, they're, they're so accessible. And like, he loves Subway Surfer. Like that's his thing. And he said, so you have to pay money for this? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's ridiculous because now there's, there, there's, it's such, a wide variety, but yeah, those conversations were, were in play and, and, um, the toy industry has been taking a hit for a while. And, and when you think of the toy industry and then you narrow down to the collector segment is really been taking a hit. And there's not a lot of kids that's, that's really into it is, is us, but we're paying, we're not just paying, you know, $9 for a figure. I mean, we're paying 15, 20, 30, a hundred. I mean, when you start talking about the the three A and, and the hot toy stuff, I mean, now you're talking about significant mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it can it's it's like an addiction and like gambling at that point. You know, so and, and and also and now you're talking about you know just like like specific things. But if you're a completist and you're buying the comics and the shirts and the toys, the statues. All adds up, and none of this stuff is cheap anymore. It's not cheap to buy. It's not cheap to make. So it's, it's just the whole industry is kind of like in a flux in a, in a way. It's been in a flux for a while. And to that, I also read an article this week, and it's it's a little tangential, but I'd just like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, there was a Comic Con panel with uh, Paul Pope. And he was talking about his work for DC and how he wanted to do an all-ages book. And mm-hmm. what he was told when he wanted to do that was, we don't publish comics for kids. We publish comics for 45-year-olds. If you, <laughs> want to pub- if you want to do comics for kids, you can do Scooby-Doo. Right. Did you think that that kind of mentality that the people who are into action figures and comic books are aging and the new generation isn't adopting them, is that the case? I kind of feel that way to a degree. I kind of feel like, like we've, we've stuck with it, but there's, you know, there's no one else behind us. But at the same time, again, I look at my son and just other kids and boys just have an ability to like whatever is cool. And that's one reason why boys and men will always love hot rod cars. You know, I mean, it's just something about them old or new that the male species will just forever love. And I think that I, I think it has to be really cool and engaging for the kid to to gravitate towards. But there's so many things now. Like they, like like when I when we were kids, there was ABC, CBS and NBC, you know, and, and then you had your other like local stations. And there were just certain cartoons that you just you, you, you watched and you were loyal. Like I was loyal to ABC in the morning and at a certain time, like between hours like six and like maybe eight thirty morning, I was loyal to ABC and then I went to NBC. But this, it's not really the case anymore. There's so much of everything, like, and, and so much of, of the same thing. So I think there's, with it being so much stuff out there that there's really nothing that's grabbing the kid in a unique way. And, some of the only things that's really unique to them 
are the mobile games because they can basically tune everything out and focus on what it is they really want. Whereas when we were kids, we didn't really have the choice. I mean, it was there, but in that there was some really cool stuff and you just, you, you stay with it. And I think that, that, that really isn't the case now. You know, th- there isn't nothing that kids really collect in that type of sense. I mean, you, and you do have kids who, who are reading the comics and who are buying the toys. And it's just in this with me, I'm like, it, I was a kid too, you know, and, and we were all kids. And how is it that, you know, we were caught in that generation, but this generation can't, we have way more technology. We have way more, um, skillful artists and, and, and things to really grab the kid. Like it, it, it just boggles my mind. You know, it's, it, on one hand, you see the answer, but the other end is like, you just don't want to buy it because it's this, my son loves walking dead because the zombies look cool as hell. And I'm like, there are a bunch of kids that's, that's watching us, even though it's not for kids, but there's tons of, tons of teens and tweens that love it because it's cool. And that same coolness is what got us when we saw the, 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 the monster movies or the zombie movies when we were kids. And, um, I mean, I think another thing is that I just think that some things are a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and, um, if you want to not really engage a certain segment of your consumer, you'll come up with whatever reason you want to not, to not engage with them. And, and, um, I don't know, but that, that's just my theory. I mean, it's just really crazy. It's just how, how everything is going right now. I, I hear all the time that, you know, kids aren't into this and kids aren't buying it, but yet they're, I see them at the movies. I see them wearing the shirts. I see them, you know, in aspects of the culture of, of, you know, what we, we know of and what we enjoy, but there's something, uh, there's something out there that is not really reaching them in its totality, I think. That, I mean, and that kind of begs the question that we've been, we've been hearing from not only Hasbro, but other toy lines that, you know, they, they, they can't get the kids or in order to try to appeal to the kids, they're trying to bring the price down and lower the articulation because kids don't like articulation. Right. And the, the cynic in me wants to say, yeah, I think you might just be kind of trying to spread out your liability and not have as much of a overhead on some of these figures, knowing right. damn well that the kids would care about articulation and sculpt. What yeah. What are your feelings on that? I mean, it's funny. Sometimes you hear this coming from people who don't have kids. So it's always, <laughs> fun. it's always funny when I hear that. And, and, but you know, again, when I look at my kids, like my son, he customizes, he, he started customizing when he was like three or four and he didn't even know he was doing that. He just was taking parts apart and putting on other things. And he just felt it look cool. And then he started posing them out, making the, making them look like, the poses from the comic books. He did that on his own. I, I mean, I never, I never, you know, steered him in that direction. You know, he did that all on his own and he loves doing that. And I'll never forget. I was, I was in a store early on when, when, uh, Marvel Universe had first came out and this little kid, he looked like a Zack and Cody kind of kid. I mean, he had like, <laughs> he, I mean, he looked just like Zack and Cody. He looked, he, he looked like he'd be like their cousin Oliver or something like that. <laughs> but, but, um, I never forget. He, we were in. A, I think we were. Uh, it, it was Target, and he walks in there. He was no older than nine or ten years old, and he and his his mom is like, "Oh, look at this! Look at look at the Spider Man!" And and all they like the GI Joe size, and he was like, "Ah, oh, I hate these. They're too small. They got rid of the bigger ones. I like the bigger ones, and you could pose them better." And I'm like, "This little kid has this in his mind 
But yet I'm hearing that kids don't like articulation. They don't like the size. And I think that's, again, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy just to, you know, make whatever, prove whatever argument you want to prove. And if, if it's not out there for kids to really enjoy, then they're not going to enjoy it because they don't have it, you know? So it's frustrating at times because I, I'm, I'm still able to go back to that point in my childhood or I can see other kids that play with toys and they pose them out and they do all this crazy stuff with it and they fit them into whatever they, they like. Basically, they make their own story. Kids will make their own story. And I think one of the things that frustrates me and has frustrated me and I, I think will continue to frustrate me is that toys have taken the imagination away from the kid. You know, now there's toys can do so many things. I mean, like with the mobile games or, or, or just um, apt enhanced toys. It's like the, the, the toy is, is now telling the kid the story and making, making the play pattern. Whereas the kids have a natural ability to, you know, engage with their own imagination and make a story out of that. And I think that the toys are now are, are, are taken away from that. And I mean, you just look at some of the things that were done in the past, like from the hula hoop to the skateboard to the yo-yo to whatever. It took kids to actually, you know, kind of dig into their own mind and imagination to do other types of tricks with it beyond what it was actually invented for. And the same thing with action figures. I mean, it was our generation. It was us who made these things better based off of what we always wanted. We always, we could see it in our mind. It's just that, you know, we knew that the Secret Wars um, line that Mattel did back in the day, even though it was cool for us because it was, it was new. We knew that the characters really didn't look like that. We really, we really want them to look like how they looked in a comic book. And once, you know, guys in our generation had the skill set and ability to do that, we actually did it. And then it was like, wow, like now it's really pushed, really pushed the envelope of what it is we can do. I just don't buy the fact that kids no longer are into that. I think that is basically what, what they're fed, you know, and, and, and it's what we're, what they're being fed is, is not what we were fed. It's not the, the, um, the imagination that we were fed. You know, it's just things are, are kind of coming into play, taking them out of that. And that frustrates me a lot. Yeah, I mean, because it kind of speaks to when we were kids, we were getting toys that were basically at the limitation of manufacturing at the time. And right. now, now we've gotten to a point where manufacturing can do almost anything that we can imagine, yet we're going backwards as far as production quality goes. Right. I mean, it was weird. It, it, I think the toy industry was... It was ran by a lot of people who were very much obviously older than, than us, but it was a new playground as far as the amount of money that was generated. And, but, but at a certain period, like, like, you know, between the early to mid nineties to the early two thousands, it was, it's like, that's when we got in there, when we really got our foot in, into the door and started to make the things that we always wanted to make. Like that period is just a, is just a crazy time. And I think, I mean, I know we will never get it back because it was, it was the perfect storm of, of young guys coming in and making toys. And the cost was still, you know, not nearly where it is now. And it was a whole new world. It was, it was, it was so many things that were just, you know, weren't even around. And 
And that's why I, that's where I give the credit to McFarlane, you know, as far as the, on the U.S. side, you know, it, it, I mean, he was making things that we've never seen before in that type of style. And but once we started to see it, it was like, that's exactly what has always been in my mind. It was like it was like seeing something for the first time that you, you were just familiar with. And and then it just started to snowball and it just got better and better and better. And then the whole I mean, and also there was other things going on, too, like Wizard was around and, and Toy Fair magazine was around and and uh, the comics were just you know, getting bigger and better. And it was just, an, it was just a, an amazing time period. And, you know, we'll never really see anything like that again. Yeah. I, I guess it kind of sounds like we're, we're singing the, the death song of action figure collecting here, but I mean, <laughs> in, in all honesty, there is some very cool stuff out there and some very high quality it, stuff it, coming. There is, there is some cool stuff. And I think that, I think now is the time where, like I look at companies like NECA or like some of the smaller companies where um, they can really continue to broaden and strengthen the artistry of, of toy making um, and still stay true to themselves. And, um, and also, I mean, I, I think that now I think that there is a really strong need to do things a little bit different as far as getting it into the collector's hands. And that's one of the things that I'm working on now. Like I, I really don't want to deal with retail or, or I don't want to deal with an outside entity or voice demanding that things are done a certain way. You know, I want to, I want, I want to be able to get product directly into the collector's hand the way that the collectors want it, knowing that that honesty and trust is already there. So they will, will, will instantly go towards it, you know? So, and, and as, as much as we're relying on retail, um, it's been kind of like the, the, the downward spiral of towards, you know? And, and so, well, as far as action figures are, are concerned. So I kind of want to not really even go that route and, and be able to engage with the, with the collector just one-on-one -on -one and get them exactly what it is they want. So that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, for for our listeners that might not know, can you can you give us a little little background on what you are currently doing now? Um, some really cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been saying this, but now I mean it's really happening. That I'm gonna um sh be showing some things really really soon. Some really cool stuff, and and really taking bridging the two. You know, bridging the. I don't want to tell you because then if I say it, then I'll be giving it a whole lot away. <laughs> we understand. Yeah, don't say be, anything more than you cool. want. I just say that it's going. To, it's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be what what guys want the way that they want it. You know, I'll, I'll say that. And there's always this segment between six inch and three and three quarter inch guys. Like the the three and three quarter inch guys um, feel like the six inch guys are always bashing on them. You know, but what I want to do is bridge the two. So. Um, yeah, David Vonner making four and three quarter inch action figures. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. But yeah, I definitely want to bring, you know, bridge it to and, and also just bring back some of the things that we always loved and, and enjoyed and, and, and talked about and, and kind of bring some of that back. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I, I, I just want to be able to get some cool stuff into the hands of some cool people to talk about cool things and, and, and not just treat it like, you know, I don't want to, the, the one thing I always 
you know, I, I never liked when companies kind of treated collectors like, um, the, the kids that they didn't want walking on their grass or walking in front of their house. You know, I, I always really hated that because at the same token, that, that mentality was there. But then when something new was about to, you know, come out or, or, or they wanted some instant credibility for something, they would go right to the collector press. And I, I, and I always felt like it was, you just using them, you know, and, 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 um, because they, because, and, and this is with movies, with, with toys, with comics, with anything, they know that collectors have a, a strong voice and an amazing soapbox, you know, known as the internet. And I always felt like, well, if you, if you want to be able to use their reach to get to the audience, but you really don't want to admit that you're making things for them, it's kind of like hypocrisy in my book, you know? And so I really want to do things for the fans, by fans and of the fans and really keep that going. So to kind of take the conversation in a slightly different direction, you mentioned the kind of rivalry between the three and three quarter inch and the six inch collectors. And you were talking about that kid in target who was disappointed in the smaller figures because it wasn't as posable and things yet the six inch figures really do seem both in price and in detail and things to be very collector oriented Mm -hmm. are you thinking that uh even with the price and everything kids are still very much into the six inch as well i think they are i mean i i think it's a particular kid um and i think that it's weird because right now it's cool to be a geek, you know, especially like a pop culture comic book geek. So I think that the, that that kid is, is definitely out there and collecting it. Maybe not as, as much, but I think you really have to engage what it is they want. And the, I, and I think that was part of the success of Marvel universe because the number one thing that I think that kids and collectors one is variety and and with marvel universe we were able to um touch on and really hit a lot of variety and on top of you know kind of arcing it anchoring it with a cartoon or comic book and i mean it really it really helped especially the comics i mean i felt like the comics helped i, I think that marvel universe really really started to take off around like the secret invasion time and secret invasion was really cool for a number of reasons. And I think it really got out. I, I seen a lot of kids reading that and a, a lot of kids knowing about it, but I also seen like a lot of the older fans, like really just loving it because it brought back so many classic characters. So it was like a, you know, I, I remember going into Midtown comics and just seeing everybody like young kids, older guys, females, the whole Gambit just in there. And it's like, it, it just boggles my mind whenever I hear that kids aren't into this stuff anymore. It's just, it just boggles my mind. And you talked about the comics a bit, but also one of the things that I think drew me back into Marvel comics and Marvel collecting were the movies and right. the Iron Man two line and the X-Men origins Wolverine line were Really, the gateway drug, even though I thought the Marvel Universe figures were so cool, being comics and being so expansive, mm -hmm. the, the limited focus of movie lines really grabbed my attention in my wallets initially. Right, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree. You know, the movies really did it. But also, the overkill was you had everyone making toy lines based off of movies. And 
you know, these companies thinking that is going to, is going to equate to success, you know, case in point avatar. I mean, avatar was the biggest movie of all time, but the toy line was less desirable. And everything just isn't going to be a cool action figure line. There, there was just so much out there, just so much. And it, it was kind of hard to kind of you know, navigate through all of that at retail when you have like tons of just everything. I mean, it was a little bit crazy. So I, I think that to a, to a point, it gets a little overwhelming for for all parties involved, it gets overwhelming for the mom. She doesn't know what's going on. Well, sometimes there's some cool moms, but, um, I think it was just a lot of stuff going on. Like the movies really do, really do get guys in. It's a great, um, like younger, younger kids. It's a great gateway drug, but on the retail end, there's just so much, but then there's so much things that just aren't good. And, um, and for one reason or another, I mean, I, no toy line starts off bad, but it just ends up not good. But, and when you have a lot of that, it's just like, if you, if, 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 if there's a movie, a really cool movie out there, then you see the toy line, like, wow, that doesn't look like the guy that was in the movie. Then it's like, why would you even get it? Because you're, when you see a cool movie, it stays with you and you want to be able to engage, like constantly have that in your mind. And you want something that, that truly represents that in the best way. So when you see something that doesn't look as good, it's like, it's almost like, you almost look at it in disgust. <laughs> you know, you almost, you almost look at it like it's nowhere near what's in my mind or how, how I felt when I watched this movie. And again, that happens for many reasons, you know, so. On a similar note, I noticed that lately, and I think this was still while you were there, Hasbro had kind of ignored some of the non-Marvel Studios Marvel movies, though. X-Men First Class had no toy support, and uh, the new X-Men Origins Wolverine has very, very limited and not really movie-related toy support. Do you think that's kind of hampering an entry point for kids? Well, I mean... I don't know. I mean, some of that, some of those decisions were Marvel. Some of those decisions were Hasbro. But I think that if there's something that's very cool, in, in my mind, I thought that it was a mistake not to do anything with X-Men First Class. But sometimes, um, you know, for, for one reason or another, it just doesn't happen. And I think that there is kind of like a letdown when you do, when something is good, and is not out there represented in a toy form, you know, uh, in the action figure form. It's kind of like, wow, I wish they really had that. So then when it comes out, it's not nowhere near the quality of what it should be, you know, or it, it's just like, like I, I don't want to say anything to bash anything, but there's some toy lines out there that, that's going to be coming out based off of a movie, and it does not look all that great compared to what was done in collective form. I'll say that. And it's kind of like, if you, if you're not going to do it better, then why even do it? it? You know, if the, if, if the opportunity is there for you to really, you know, forget that that character was already done, but if you're not going to do it better, then it, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, why, why even do it the way you did it? But also why shut down the way that it was previously done that was good. So. I don't know if I got that point across without saying directly what it is, but it's just kind of, that's another thing that kind of boggles my mind. Maybe when we having drinks, I'll tell you more specifically what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 well, I want 
to know what you think about stuff. I, mean, I want to know your take. How you feel as a fan? Like, how how do you feel? I mean, come on, this is like a Marvel a Marvel thing, Marvel focus. How do you feel how the Marvel stuff is going? I think we talk about that quite a bit, quite but in, 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 in short, though, to engage you in this conversation, I mean, when you're talking about things that aren't made as well as they've been made before, I mean, I'm kind of looking at that across the board. I mean, I'm, I collect Marvel and Star Wars, which are both Hasbro brands, and mm-hmm. I look at some of the lines that are coming out, the Avengers figures that are coming out, uh, not necessarily the Avengers Assemble collector-oriented line, but the other line, or in the Star Wars line, they're coming out with the Saga Legends, and I'm looking at these figures, and yeah, I know the guys are up there, and they're saying these are the best sculpts we've ever done. I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, no, it's not. Right. And if you're going through the trouble of paying a sculptor and paying a factory and all this to make a figure that is less than the figures you made five years ago right. and really a throwback to the figures that were being made 15, 20 years ago. I'm, I'm, and then I keep hearing, but it's for the lower price point for the kids and they, they throw out the $5 thing, which I love as a collector. I'm like, oh, you're only going to charge me $5. I can't find it for $5. Maybe they're charging Walmart $5, but it's charging me 8 Right. It's crazy. You know, um, I, I think it kind of boils down to philosophy. Like, it's my the first year doing Marvel Universe, I had the philosophy of doing it in a company way. After that, I decided to do it for the fan in, in, in the way that the the collector expected it to be. And this, this is one reason why there was such a huge jump in the look of Marvel Universe. And I kind of threw caution into the wind and say, you know what? If this is for the, the Marvel guy, the Marvel fan, then I think that we need to do this in, in the best way possible for them and not say that this is the coolest thing ever. You know, if, if, if it is going to be the coolest thing ever, then we're going to let that speak for itself. And that's why I never, I never said that. I never said like, you know, like this is cool. This is cool. You're going to love this. I mean, if I, if I did say you're going to love it, it was because from a fan standpoint, I was excited about it. And I, and I knew that the fans would be excited about it. So, and this is why certain things came out the way they did, like the new vert, like the, the World War Hulk and the the hercules and um the beta ray bills like I mean, the silver samurai these things came about because it was like i'm not doing this i'm not doing this the company way anymore i'm going to do this you know for the fan and the way the fan would expect and i think that if you know my whole thing was that if we do this the right way then it's going to pay dividends in the end you know and 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 it's going to people will buy it it's kind of like baseball if you if you build it they will come you just got to build it and, and, um, like that, that fill the dreams movie. So that was my take on it. And I think somewhere along the line, some people or some companies get that confused or they just don't take that approach. Yeah. I think, I think somewhere we see the, the thread get lost sometimes. You know, I mean, I look at the Thor line where there was a ton of great sculpts, but character selection was a little questionable. It's like, how many Thors do we need? Right. You know, but, I mean, going forward, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the six inch stuff. I feel like there's still quite a bit of collector focus going on there. I'm not quite sure I agree with the way they're going to move it out of Marvel Legends and move it into movie silo type of lines. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I'm excited about some of the character selection and some of the sculpts that we've seen there. That right. that seems I, to be pretty strong yet. I mean, I'm me personally. I'm, I'm I, I had this conversation before as far as the character selection. You know, there, there's over eight thousand characters, and there's there's tons of characters that are very cool and that have never been done. And even if it is you know, transition over to an Avengers line. I mean, I can rattle off a ton of cool Avengers characters, you know, heroes and villains. Um, some of which that are very, very important in the Avengers universe that have never been done. And I would really like to see those, those characters because of the love that I have for Avengers. And I hope that I see them, but you know, who knows? But it, when, whenever I see the same characters done in Marvel universe and Marvel legends, to me, it's like, why am I getting this? And it's not to throw dirt on anything like that or anyone, but again, my approach was always that Marvel Universe is different than Marvel Legends, and you know, Marvel Universe could never be Marvel Legends, and Mar- Marvel Legends is very, very important. It's like the, it should be the flagship. It's, it should be, it's, it's, it's the big dog, and it should be treated that way. So some of the characters, and I, and I know why some of the characters are, are done. Um, but I would really like to see a little bit more variety because that's what Marvel Legends has always been about. It's always been about variety. It's always been about, um, the amazing plethora of characters that's, that's in the line. And when I see the overlap, it just, it just doesn't appeal to me. You know, you talk about the character selection and it actually gave me a flashback to possibly one of the first times that you and I met, and that was when you were announcing the Marvel, your, your team was announcing Marvel Universe at Toy Fair. Were you, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting there in the audience, you know, the fan press event and hearing this presentation and it really did spark the fan, the Marvel fanboy in me. And I'm like, Oh, that looks so cool. That looks so cool. But there was one line and it scared me off as a consumer. And that line was, there will be a hundred figures in the first year. <laughs> and when you're talking about, you know, doing things the company way versus doing things your way, I, I think that that, that was something that was said, you know, when the line was just being announced and I'm, or maybe it was a hundred within the first two years, but either way, it was enough to go, that's a lot of space. <laughs> right. I guess because, um, well, one, one reason was that Marvel Universe was never supposed to be as big as it is. I mean, it was supposed to be, a few characters and that's it. But also about the space argument thing, I always hate it when guys say that because I'm like, you don't want to buy Marvel Universe because you don't have the space and you don't want to invest in the space. However, if there was more Marvel Legends, you would build more space. So I didn't get that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get these. I'm going to, I'm going to flood the streets with dope. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, there's going to be some people who don't want to get high. And I understand that. But there's going to be some that's going to party just a little bit. And I know. But see, your, your plan worked because you got somebody like me who was an old Toy Biz Legends collector back excited about Marvel again. And you also got a guy like Arnie who didn't collect Marvel Legends back in the day to hop in with both feet. So you got both of us back. Right. I mean, I kind of looked at Arnie. I was like, hey, kid, I got something to make you feel good. You know, come over here. <laughs> come, come take a, come take a walk with me over by the sliding board. And, uh, you know, here's a little something to make you get a quick pick me up or something. <laughs> you know? This but is turning into an after school special more than our normal show. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, that was always the approach, man. And it's like, but it was so, it was so much fun. I, and I guess because I really, my, my entire view, my entire view of the Marvel universe was, was making it like going into the comic book store and seeing just rack after rack after rack of comic books. And that was always the, the feeling that I wanted to get. You know, when you get the, the single cards and then the, the two packs, and then the gigantic battles and everything is like, man, to me, it was like, it was like seeing, you know, the, the issues and the graphic novels, you know, and then, you know, all the Marvel two in one. That's how it was for me, you know, and, and, and it was all these different segments of comics and I wanted to, to relay that in toy form. So, and, you know, because Marvel is just so cool and, and, and I always, I was always telling guys that, you know, Star Wars is cool, GI Joe is cool, but and Transformers and all that. But Marvel, there's a reason why Marvel published those comics back in the day, and there's a reason why, um, like e- either the animation was done by Marvel or some of these characters were inspired by Marvel because Marvel is just cool. So in my mind, I wanted to. Have something that's going to have, that's going to kick either Darth Vader's ass or Duke's ass or whatever. And I'm like, you know, Darth Vader would get stomped out by a giant scroll or, you know, would, you know, the entire G.I. Joe platoon would get smashed by Galactus, you know, and that was always my mind. So, cause I always kind of viewed it in, in, in comic book form. And because of that, everything was so different. But yet it all fit. That, and that's my view of just Marvel. Everything just is it, just different, but it all fits. I don't want to reopen old wounds, but while we're talking about the old days, I, I always wanted to know what happened with the Fury Files online. That always seemed like such a great concept. And they were running when I started and I raced it, the website and entered my codes. And, and it, uh, it, it, I love that concept of, of what we wanted to do, but. Everything comes down to dollars and, and where the dollars are allocated and, and, um, but, you know, when you, when you, when you kick off initiatives like that, I, the, the, at its central core, people have to love what it is that they're doing. And, and I'm a big believer in that. You know, you really have to be in order to excel in whatever it is that you want to excel in, or if you want something to really make, make it and be a success. You have to be into it. And when, if, if you have people that's really just doing their job and not really into it, then it's not going to be worth fighting for, you know, and, and it's just not going to go anywhere. And, and, um, I love, I love that, you know, it was a whole countdown thing. And then you put in your code and, and everyone's supposed to be like an agent of shield. It was, it was, it was, it was a whole story element. It was a whole story element that ties into it. And, Again, if you don't fight for it, it's just going to go away and, and that space or that money is going to be used for something else. So, and that's, that's what happened. Um, but it was like death by paper cuts, you know, everything just kind of slowly went away, but we, you had to keep up with the times. You had to keep up with the times that were changing and that was that, but it was, it was great. I think we did some unique stuff. It's particularly just the, just the, the Marvel Universe line alone. I mean, there was really nothing that really came about, um, like the way Marvel Universe did, you know, dealing with what it had to overcome. I mean, we're not talking about just introducing a new toy line. We're talking about introducing a new toy line to fans who were pretty pissed off that their previous toy line wasn't going the way they wanted to. And then to say, 
um, we're going to kind of slow down on this, but we're going to do this. I mean, that was an even bigger blow. And then to have characters that fans always wanted in a particular scale, where introducing his new scale was like another shot. Like, there's really never been a toy line that had to deal with what Marvel Universe had to deal with, you know, to overcome. And that was a challenge to me. And it was a challenge to the team. And um, I think that we, at the end, we really began to gain some respect and some leeway of where we wanted to go. You definitely did from us on this side of the mic. Absolutely. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, David, we couldn't have you on the show without asking if you're aware of this one little part of your legacy that certain collector communities have been tossing around lately. But you know the rocker-style ankle articulation? Yes. Are you aware that the people are attributing that to you and calling it the Vonner ankle? Really? I have Yeah. <laughs> are you serious? Have I been, like, in a bomb shelter for 20 years or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty cool because, I mean, we've had a hard time trying to, you know, describe it when we first saw it on some of those, you know, Marvel Universe figures. I think it was Cyclops was one of the first ones that, that had that, or an Iron Man. But I think that's kind of cool. It's the Vonner ankle from here on out on wow. Marvelicious. <laughs> that's hey, that's <laughs> well. You know what? I, I got I have to. I have to give props to um my my boy Adam Van Wickler over at Gentle Giant. They they're the ones that sculpted um ninety nine point eight percent of Marvel Universe. And and um so in talking with Adam. Whenever we would, you know, um, go over how can we improve things, um, you know, that was always articulation was always the thing. Like, how can we make it different? How can we make it better? And we were both like two Peter Pans, man, but we were evil Peter Pans flying around slicing people in the neck. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, um, but we, you know, we, we would just kind of come up with a lot of things, but General Giant and Adam, and his crew there, they were the sculptors. So they, they were the ones that brought it to life as far as the sculpt. And then the engineers made it happen. It was funny. It was a really cool thing because General Giant was sculpted. You know, I would design it. General Giant was sculpted. And then we would hand it over, you know, to our, to the, the factory. And then the factory would try to get it the best way they could in, in a manufacturing sense. So it, it, we wound up having this thing where they were actually trying to outdo each other, you know, and that, and that was cool because it was a healthy competition. You know, the factory was like, give, give, give me what you got and we're going to nail it. And, and the crew over in General Giant was like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it was just so, so much fun. And it all stemmed from that relationship of needing it to do better. You know, and I was like, man, we got to get more movement out of this. We got to get better movement. We just got to make this really just kick ass. Like, l- let's take what people know, or what they think about, or what they think they know about the three and three quarter inch line and completely blow their mind. And this is why certain things look the way they do. And I think one reason why guys really dug it, because I mean, like, I always go back to that, to that World War Hulk. I, I can't tell you how many people like came up to me just thanking us for doing that. And, and because they never, I mean, some of them felt a little disenchanted by some of the product based on that, that they had received. And some people were just like, man, this is just, it, it, every, it just answers everything. Like this figure right here, it it really catered to them. So that is one of my favorite, favorite 
figures that that was done in the line. I mean, I just looked at it and stared at it and stared at it, and I was like, man, this is like completely, completely awesome. We spent quite a bit of time drooling over that figure when we first got our hands on it and discovering the new neck articulation and all that good stuff. We were we were drooling all over ourselves and World War Hulk. <laughs> and that, that figure caused many hours of editing because it just stayed right by my recording station for months after we reviewed it. And mm-hmm. every episode I'd be like, oh, what were you saying, Justin? I'm playing with Hulk. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we, you know, Adam... And General Giant, myself, and the in the factories, you know, we really pushed each other. And uh, I remember, like the Puck figure. That's that's one of my favorite. I had I had Puck standing on his hand uh, on my desk, like the sample forever. And and I and that was the one thing that I wanted. You know, I, I was I actually think that um we were I was speaking to Adam at a previous con. I think we were drinking. I was like, man, I want Puck to stand on one hand. Like I, I want him to do a one hand you know, handstand. And, um, you know, sometimes when you blur, when you throw stuff out there, you, you, your first reaction was like, man, you are crazy as hell. Like there's no way that's going to happen, but then you just make it happen. And I remember Adam sent me the shots over of puck standing on his hand. And, um, so I, I was like, no, I, I want to see, we would Skype each other too. That's, <laughs> that was a funny thing. So he would Skype me or I would Skype him. And so I had to have, I had to see it visually, like with no strings attached and no trickery. Cause sometimes he would do, do, do some, uh, little tomfoolery to try to get what he wanted. But I was like, no, nah, I got to see this thing stand up on its own in the video, like live. And, and it did. And that was, that became one of my favorite figures of all time. <laughs> Puck is great. Did you, is the, uh, new, the new Wolverine Legends one, that looks very similar to your guys. Is that, is that one of yours too? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a Legends one. Yeah. Th- that's kind of like what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, um, somebody stole your homework. Well, no, not, <laughs> no, I mean, cause it's not me. It's not just me, you know, there's a team, but I, I would wish that it, it would be done differently. You know, it, it's, um, Puck has worn a few different costumes or, or there's different characters you can do, but, I, I just feel short change when I when I see that. I I just don't want that overlap so soon. It's, that's just not appealing to me. Um, imagine if your favorite song, your your favorite album came out, and then like a year later is reissued, but with a new cover, and it's like, but all the tracks are the same. And it's like really like you really want me to buy this, and it's the same damn album. Isn't that what they do with the Star Wars on DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah, and I, that's why I don't buy. It. So I, I, yeah. I don't buy DVDs or, or Blu-rays anymore. I, I kept telling my wife years ago that this stuff is going to be out the window. We're going to be streaming everything, and I, I'm so happy that one of the few things I ever told my wife actually came true. It makes me look smarter than I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I hear what you're saying because I did get excited for some of these characters, and then we'd talk about Marvel Universe. I'd be like, well, they just shrunk the Marvel Legend, or vice versa. They just took the Marvel Universe figure and blew it up. And I mean, on the one hand, it's cool because when it's usually a figure we liked in the one scale, but on the other hand, it's, it it does have a feeling of like watching a rerun of an episode you really liked. Right, right. And if it is a situation where it's a smaller character, th- then there's other short characters that could have been done, I think. And um, I, I am, I guess, if you could say proud that we were able to get as many characters out there that I guess have to be done over again. Um, but I just, 
I would, I, I, my whole thing with Marvel is it's all about variety. There's tons of characters. I would love to see all the other characters that, that are done. You know, like I would really love, I would love to see, and, and this is one of the things that I wanted to do, but I wanted to do a classic Squadron Supreme and, and, um, just the entire, the entire line that, you know, that 12 issue miniseries, you know, culminating to that giant battle at the end where basically, you know, half of the characters died. Um, but they was just so cool. I mean, they were, they were really more like the, the Justice League than anything. And, and I had been pushing for Hyperion for so long. It, I'm, I was really happy when we finally did it in Legends because I've, I've been pushing and pushing for this guy forever. But I would really love to see that. You know, I really want to see some Eternals. Like I, I want to do an Icarus and like the Forgotten One, you know, Gilgamesh and, and all those guys. I mean, there, there's so many different characters out there. That, that can be done that have never been done. And I think that is kind of like a waste to, to do the overlap of characters that's already been done. You know, um, that, but that's just, that's just my take on it. No, I, I, I agree. But as you know, I mean, collectors can be a finicky group. So sometimes, you know, you do a smaller one and the other guys start complaining, well, why did they get it and we didn't? Right. And you have guys, guys like us who buy both scales. So we're happy either way. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's why we buy the, the, you know, the statues and everything else, but it's just something about getting that in the action figure form that is, it, it is just so, um, unique, you know, and seeing it for the first time. That's what guys want. They want, they want to be the first ones, you know, they want to be the first ones or to see it for the first time, have it for the first time. It's, it, it takes something, something is taken away from that, you know, when, when you get the overlap. So. I was going to ask, you mentioned, you know, a couple of times. What are the things you collect? Now I collect, I'm, I'm really out there now. You know, you know what I really want to start collecting and it's, it's expensive, but I really want to start collecting like life size stuff, like life size zombies and my, like I love horror. So I, I really want to start getting into that. But this, the thing I, I love, like unique stuff, anything that's just crazy, unique. Um, of course I love Marvel. Um, so I have a lot of, you know, Marvel figures and DC figures and uh, NECA right now. And for a long time, NECA has been just getting all my money. I love everything that they do. And I love Star Trek too. So I got like a lot, me and my mom, we're both Trekkies. So I get stuff from my mom or she'll get something from me. Um, like Star Trek or, or we can find anything that's Twilight Zone. Like Biff Bang Pal did the Twilight Zone, um, um, figures so i got her some of those and then she got me some stuff not knowing that i already had it but you know i had to say mom thank you but um but yeah i just love anything anything that's just weird now you know i'm not so um discriminatory to my towards my collecting now i get a little bit of everything and you mentioned NECA to kind of pull it back to marvel what do you think of their quarter scale avengers line i like it i like it but the thing is, is I guess when you see Avengers, it's different when I look at it because we all get like the same imagery or the same reference. So when I look at it, whether it's Hasbro or NECA or Hot Toys, it's kind of like I'm looking at the same thing. And and um, I would really love, I, I wish that NECA kind of had the ability to, or or the license to do some classic stuff because I would love to see their take on it. You know, um but it's like with hot toys like i see so many different 
Iron Man figures that they're doing that it's almost like Hasbro Part 2 to me because there's just so many Iron and I, I mean, and I love Iron Man, but I and I know there's guys out there that collect it and want to build up their Hall of Armor and stuff, but to me, it's just it's so much, you know, so much of the same thing. So I would really love to see like some, some variety. And that's, I guess I always go back to that because that's always my thing. I just, I just love variety. I just love seeing different, you know, different characters or different armors or different styles, you know, and, and, um, because that's what Marvel is really all about. So I would really love to see more of that. Yeah, I hear you about the Hot Toys as somebody who has way too many Iron Men on pre-order. It is like, you know, there are some other movies that you could bake some stuff for. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, with Hasbro, I could buy the entire Iron Man 2 figure line for the price of two Hot Toys. Right, right. But they're, I mean, they're beautiful, though. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to take away from that. I mean, they're absolutely, absolutely beautiful. But like I like, there's some characters like that. I I would love to see what Hot Toys would do with a movie version of Thanos. You know, like that would be like so cool to see to see Hot Toys' take on it. Oh, I have no doubt we will next year for Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, oh, yeah, def- definitely. I mean, you yeah, no doubt. You know, but I, I I would love to have seen that and and uh or or even like you know. Um, concept movie style versions of different characters that, that aren't necessarily in the movies. And, and, um, like, 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 for instance, just throwing something out there like Namor with, with his black costume, but how would Hot Toys do it? I think it would be very cool. And not just playing like a statue or, or like I was drawing, but really like throw some serious detail in there. Um, and it's funny, I, I, I thought of that when I seen their Christopher Reeve Superman when, when that came out. And for some reason, I, I just said I would love to see what they would do with Namor in this black suit, you know, and how how would that how would that look like? How would that that iridescence on the on the on the suit? How would that blue sink in with the black and all that? I, I, would, I would just love to see how that would look. I think it would be very hot. Yeah, and they almost did that. We were talking a while back, two years ago at Comic-Con, they did have a stealth armor Iron Man just from the comics out there, you know, indicating yeah. they were going to go comic-based, but then I think they just decided, ah, we can make 800 movie armors. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's also some other, like, real technical reasons to why, but I know I would love to see that, you know, and, um, you know, I wish, like, with NECA, I mean, I would love to see some some other like like classic stuff, but their Avengers stuff looks good. I mean, it looks it looks really really good. And did you ever have any issues with Marvel licensing? One of the things that came out recently was that they actually liked the way DC treats them because DC is very protective of its licensees, and Marvel. It they it came across that they're a little upset that Marvel's going to sell the same Iron Man reference materials to right. all these different companies in all these different scales and not yeah. really help Hot Toys out any when you've got Play Imaginative and Sideshow and so many others doing right. the same kind of thing. Yeah, it, it was frustrating, but I think that's that's when you really have to be creative. And actually, that's that's what kind of separates the person. You know, just talking and talking, the person is walking the walk. You know, so being a, being a fan and kind of really delving deep, cause there were some concepts that I threw out there, man, that, that Hasbro was like, I don't know. 
I mean, particularly like with Guardians of the Galaxy, when I pitched that, it, it trust me, it did not go over well at first. And I had to sell it. I had to sell like part of my kidney. And th- there was, there was one character in particular that I tried to sell in that wasn't going anywhere, but guys have been wanting him for years, for years. They've been wanting this character. And just the consensus was this, this is a little bit too out there, but it was because no one really understood the character. But I think that when you really know the characters, when you really know the universe, when you really know all the stories and, you know, the intricate plot lines and all that, then you're really going to rely on that. And if you don't know it, then you will get upset about it. So not saying that, not saying that the NECA president don't know, but I'm just saying that, um, it, it could be frustrating, even more frustrating when you don't know, as opposed to looking at it like, if this is a challenge, I'm really delving deep because my my main thing was at the time was uh the mini mates because the mini mates has so many different characters and I, it was like damn i want to do i want to do these guys but they coming out with that so it was it was it was funny you know if you really look at if you really look at marvel universe and look at mini mates it was kind of like a jousting match between the two <laughs> can you tell us who that character was who they didn't want to do <laughs> it was lockjaw ah I would have, yeah, I would have liked the lockjaw, and they did make a mini made of him recently. <laughs> yeah, and and um, actually had a really good way of how I was going to do him and save the tooling and stuff like that, and and um, obviously he was going to kind of go along with the Inhumans three pack that I did, and you know he's going to come along with another character and maybe be an exclusive, and there was a lot of ways to kind of toss him around, but you know as you know the lock lockjaw was. Have, has been highly requested for so long. And th- there was other characters too, but that just the, the, the fanboy in me wanted that, that guy so much because, um, you know, I, I knew that would have been a, a really good fan favorite. Yeah. That would have been a really nice one to get in either scale. You know, but you know, Hey, he might get, he might, he might make it. Who knows? So, what would your wish list be? You know, you say you, they're the things that you hope for, and then your brain says you don't think so. What can you just tell us? What are some of the things you'd hope for as a fan? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot that I that I would hope for. Will it will it be? You know, will we see it? I don't know. But um, you know, I, there's a lot. I mean, you, you just go back. I mean, as you know, I, I, I as you might have gathered, I, I love classic marvel comics you know and um there's a lot of storylines that were really great and really character rich that i think would make very cool marvel toy lines off of you know particularly in avengers i mean there's so many different storylines in avengers that is just amazing but you know i guess as that that path is being um you know plotted out now and, and, um, you know, they have to go about doing it, but there's, there's tons of characters that I would love to see. And, and, um, there was a lot that, that I had planned for. Um, but you know, we'll see where it goes. I think that's going to be part of the fun and part of the frustration is to see where everything goes. One character that I would never do is Aunt May. That's absolutely one character that I would never, ever, ever in a million trillion years do. Just because you don't think she'd sell well at all? Oh, man. Aunt May? <laughs> I mean, you really kind of... It's like the... 
must be selling, um, you know, Geritol and. <laughs> how about a two pack with J. Jonah Jameson? Uh, how about selling Aunt May with a <laughs> can of uh, Activia or something like that? <laughs> I, I agree. I don't. I, I, well, novel. I don't know that I'd get very excited about that. That said, I think the Mary Jane with the dog that really took me back to Spider Man and his amazing friends. Ms. Lyon. Days. You know, Ms. Lyon is a boy, right? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, it came out that um, I think in Pet Avengers that Ms. Lyon was actually a boy, and that um, you know, for years he was actually a little frustrated that. Um, he had those tassels in his ears and was called Ms. Lion and, and, um, but was actually a boy. But the reason why I did Ms. Lion is because I tried to get it into the, um, Spider-Man and Friends pack, but at the time it was kind of held up in litigation, you know, with, um, with Disney because Disney had bought up all the Marvel animations and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't use it, but then we finally got the okay to use Ms. Lion, but it was too late. So I figured, if we make Mary Jane and throw in Ms. Lyon, some, my hope was that customizers will be able to make Angelica Jones and also have, you know, Firestar in her civilian aspect with, with, um, Ms. Lyon. That is an awesome idea. I hadn't even thought about that. Now I've got to pick up an extra Mary Jane to do that with. That is. Actually, a lot of Marvel Universe was done with, with customizers in mind so they can easily transform the characters into someone else. And, and, um, I kind of wanted to make like a, a open canvas for guys so they can be able to easily make characters that either they didn't have or would, they know they would never ever make. So that was also the part of the pill of it too, to make it cool, but also make it open enough so you can customize your own. Something I've always appreciated. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, stuff like that is just cool to me. You know, it's it's like you're really um you're kind of giving the keys over to the fan. You know, like letting them drive for a little bit. So that was always the approach. I know one of the figures that you were really proud to get out there, and one of the figures that Justin would be really proud to ever find on a peg is the Baghead Spider Man. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> man, yeah. And that that was a long journey. It was a long, you, you would, you, you would think that that, that particular, that image of Spider-Man would change a child so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that really sums up Spider-Man and Marvel to me. You know, if you really think about it, it really just shows how cool both entities really are. And, and for, at the time, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, this is Marvel's flagship character. Can you imagine DC taking, um, like Batman and, and his costume gets messed up and he has to wear like something from, you know, Aquaman or something like that? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's really crazy, but I don't think anyone, I mean, no one really you know, imagined or saw what I had seen when it, I mean, it was just really cool. And it really, it said a lot about the dynamic between Johnny Storm and, and Spider-Man, um, you know, with Spider-Man trying to originally join the Fantastic Four, just like how of a jokester Johnny is, how cognizant that, of that Peter is of, of his, at the time of his identity. You know, and just how far it, it goes from 
the sublime to the ridiculous that need to to hide who you really are. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, I just thought that was just a really cool thing that that happened. So I really wanted to have that in in um in toy form like forever forever and and also you know during that time it was like the unknown comic was around people didn't know if it was steve martin or not um the saints were like horrible so fans used to show up with the paper bags on and stuff like that so it you know it, it was it was a big deal to see spider-man in that paper bag and and and, and wearing johnny's costume it was just so funny it was hilarious yeah i think i mean it's it's a great figure for all those reasons but I guess that makes me wonder. I mean, Hasbro will never ever give out numbers of production and stuff like that. But is there a possibility that there's some of these figures that just seem like they were short shipped are sitting around somewhere and will eventually hit the market someday? Or were there really figures that got produced at such small numbers that we may never see them? I have no, I have no idea. But when you said that, I just had scenes of, of breaking bad when, when, um, Walter. <laughs> When, when, when Walter and the guy break into the, the factory to steal the barrel of, of chemicals and, <laughs> and carrying it and not rolling it. And I just imagine me and you trying to find some damn factories where we can steal some, uh, <laughs> some Barbara's figures and, 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 and we're kind of looking like Walter at that point. <laughs> I'll grow a goatee, but I won't shave my head. <laughs> I don't know, you be a good Jason Pinkman. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of lead to another question, though. There were a lot of those variant figures, like that blonde-haired Black Widow or the white shirt Luke Cage. I mean, these were back during the day that you were in charge of everything. Why did those get so stymied? Well, I, I guess in the case of Luke Cage... Um, like there, there's a tier system there, there was a tier system of, of how the characters are, are produced and, and also in the wave. So you will have your, your, your main guy and you know, your, your A character, your B character, or your C and D character and in your main guy will anchor, you know, the wave. So obviously Luke Cage was more on a lower tier. So his numbers were going to be low from the start. So when we do the variant, they're going to be, you know, even more few. So th that's kind of the reason why. But my, my philosophy of it was that since this is a low character, in order to guarantee um, some type of self-through, we can really do some variants of it so we can kind of push it, you know. So, I mean, it could be a sense of you, you can never find that Luke Cage because with the small numbers, it, it you sold through, you know, or like that, the Miss Marvel um, and, and then some, 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 some characters weren't really variants, but some people deemed them variants, like the glossy red, red Hulk. Um, I, I think that was a production mistake, but it went into, well, that's how variants actually started from mistakes, but, but that was a true mistake. That wasn't a plan or anything like that. But, but we have fun with it. Like, you know, with, with Iron Fist and Iron Slap and all that stuff and, and, um, Nice. Oh, you know what? Here's here's a little thing. The it's funny. The the Miss Marvel body. I actually based that off of Debbie Does Dallas. So, and uh. and I remember 
like her boobs were super big, right? And I knew that one of the things that we would do is kind of walk around and show it to people, like mainly like the marketers. And it was all these girls on marketers and I knew they wouldn't have a problem with it. So what I did was I kind of okayed the figure to go into production. So that way changes would be nearly impossible to make. <laughs> and um, I, I remember like this girl was just looking and she's like, but her boobs are so big. Does her boobs have to be that big? And I'm like, this is Miss Marvel. This is how her breasts really are. I mean, she's, you know, she's stout, you know? <laughs> and, and, um, so they're like, but why does her, why does she have to look like that? So, you know, and I never told anybody, but because I'm such a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, I wanted everyone to get a little piece of Dallas with that figure. <laughs> so, you know, is that where the hairstyle comes from too on the classic version of Miss Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a whole porn thing involved in that. <laughs> I didn't, and I, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but I didn't even notice. I just figured they were all the same boobs. Firestar, Miss Marvel. Well, yeah, it's the same body, but it's all based off of that one porn star. <laughs> there, there was a few little things that I snuck in there. Yeah, it always kept us guessing when you change up the bases, like the Namor with Imperious Rex. Oh, yeah. And then the Skrull one with the Skrullian language on that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then the Norman Osborn Iron Patriot that was completely unannounced. Yeah. That was fun. And then the Scarred and the Son of Hulk and all that stuff. And if you read the Fury Files and then the Hammer Files, there's tons and tons of clues in there. I mean, there's tons. Some of it is like so obvious it was funny. And then, and then on one, I actually dedicated to this, this fan, you know, this guy, he just wanted this particular character so much. I mean, he hounded me and I mean, in a good way, he really hounded me. So not knowing that that character was planned later on. So I said, you know what? Let me, let me, let me, um, write this, this file and literally just make it all about him and where he lives. So did like, that's what that story is all about in there. But there's tons of little little secrets and hints in those Fury and Hammer files. It's not even funny, especially the um the Galactus one. But then like there's mention of like Quasimodo and and um just tons of tons of different characters. And it's so funny too, man, because um to actually see a lot of uh, some of those characters that were named and see them in like the the Avengers cartoon was was really cool. That was also like Craig Kyle who uh, and Chris Jones who created X twenty three. They they were big Marvel Universe fans. Craig Kyle actually was the uh, associate producer on for Thor, and and for this new Thor. But they were such big fans of Marvel Universe, man. And um, so I was sending like bulk stuff to them, you know, especially Craig Kyle to over to to uh, the studio so he can put it in his office and and um but it was just great seeing how how these characters were being not only represented in toy form but then you see them in the comic books then you see them in the cartoons and eventually movies it was, it was really cool it was very cool well david thanks again for coming on and thanks for everything you've done for marvel collectors and marvel fans and being one yourself you know it's like having the wolf in charge of the hen house but in a good way <laughs> nice yeah I, I won't eat the hands I just kind of like play with them lick them real hard and all that stuff <laughs> you guys are cool though 
Are you going to be at New York Comic Con or any upcoming events? Yep, I'm trying to make Comic Con, and I'll have the whole details of my toy line, and it will be cool. And um, it's going to be you're going to get some characters that you should have gotten in Marvel that you would definitely get in this line. Nice. We will definitely then have to use that opportunity. Marjorie and I are going to be there the whole time, and we'll have to get those drinks. Nice. Thank you so much, David. We are looking forward to seeing you at New York Comic Con. Yeah, I might have to go to New York this year just to get in on those drinks with you guys. So we'll be back next Wednesday where we're going to be actually reviewing so much toys. We have such a backlog. I've got stacks of hot toys and premium formats here. and It's like you need some X-Lax to get these going. I have huge cases of figures from Entertainment Earth. We're going to be giving you in-depth reviews on all of these. Yeah, so all that and more on the next Marvelicious Toys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds, as well as product reviews, on our voicemail at 803-MARVEL-4. Or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Website photo editing by Jen and Jeff. Podcast enhancement by Andrew, Shane, Daryl, and Barrett. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam Pow Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lionsmouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at swactionnews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Hello and welcome to issue number 94 of Marvelicious Toys. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie. And this is Justin. I don't know why I just sat there waiting for Justin to say I'm Arnie. And then I realized, wait, I'm Arnie. He's <laughs> not Arnie. It, yeah. I about did. I was wondering if. <laughs> I was like a beat away from like introducing you. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another issue. Oh, I don't like that one. I don't either. I'm glad we're on the same page. I loved it. <laughs> Go back to the bike shop. <laughs> hey, oh, can I get the um, Spider-Man and Friends intro, like, interstitial? That thing. Okay, yeah, we can do that. So we'll... I love, That's, like, one of my favorite sound effects of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally overuse it on the show, so it works out. <laughs>
<laughs> I think Marge will be a very cool mom, so you got to start taking care of that. Are you going to come over and babysit when I go travel oh, to conventions? Are you crazy? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm like the coolest. Oh, I'm I, sure you'd be a great babysitter. Man, look, I bring the kids over. We'll have fun, barbecue, all that stuff. I just, I just don't go by, um, you know, rules and regulations. So if if your kids walk around like with forks and knives and stuff, trust me, they'll be fine. <laughs> they just, we're just playing ninja. We're just playing ninja. That's all. <laughs> but but 